All right, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Builders Ladder podcast, where we get real, get solutions to your challenges. And today, we're going to dig into how you can best structure and best finance your own developments and become your own client, no matter what level of business you're at. And got my good buddy on here, Mr. Scott Wilson from AssetWise. How are you, my man? Unbelievably good. How about yourself? Yep, fantastic, because... We're going motorcycling on the weekend and yes, we're going we to MotoGP in Malaysia and then uh, two weeks cycling around Thailand. Going to be epic. Motorcycling as opposed to cycling. We don't want to do the exercise stuff. No, no, definitely not. So give us a little bit of your background. Today, we're going to focus on developments, residential home builders throughout New Zealand, Australia, Canada and the USA and how they can transform doing their own developments, own house and land packages, and the structures and finance, and just get rid of some uh, any stumbling blocks, make sure they've got everything set up right, and they avoid the big potholes, and you're, you're very experienced with this. So, yeah, can you give us a little bit of your background, uh, sure. what, you, what your company does? And... Yeah, so the business is called AssetWise. We've been um, helping clients since about 1986, so... Been around a, a fair while, 36 odd years. Gee. Uh, I know, hard to believe, right? Because I'm so young. And I <laughs> thought I was old. <laughs> Only in mind. Yes. So, um, yeah, we've got mortgage brokers, insurance brokers, KiwiSaver side, and we do a bit in the development side. And about probably, man, it might have even been 10 years ago, we were invited to... Uh, work with the guys who were doing Wealth Mentor, who were a property, I guess a property coaching business. So they they had a big client base of people who were wanting to get into the property market, some of them doing development, some of them just buying investment properties. But basically their business was all about that and they needed someone with some experience to get in there and help them to set themselves up probably properly, structure it right, and that turned out to be us. They've had quite a few different people over the years, but we were there with them for many, many years. And we would basically turn up to give some seminars and some private coaching with people about financial literacy, I guess, in general terms, and about how to structure themselves, set themselves up and, and do it. Awesome. It was all on a one-on-one -on -one basis in the detail side. Today, the advice is going to have to be a bit more generic, obviously, but it's fair to say we've done a fair few deals over the years been a bit happening in the property side over the last couple of years. Uh, of course, it all shut down in COVID. And at the moment, things are definitely tightening up. But I think we can probably answer most of the questions you've got. Awesome. Oh, by the way, we deal with uh, all the different lenders. On the development side, uh, there's a limited number of people that'll do it. It doesn't tend to be through the mainstream lenders. So it's through the second tier lenders, which makes it a little more expensive. But that just needs to be built into the deal. But we can talk more about that later. Gotcha, gotcha. So a lot of our members are typically between two to $15 million revenue. Some are above that, 25, 30, 50, 100. Today, I want to focus on the guys who are, have their own business. They're between two to 10 mil. They're looking to do either find a site, do their own developments or do their own house and land. And we have a lot of guys doing that from people doing, you know, just putting a couple of townhouses up to guys doing 30, 50, 70, you know, unit uh, developments. So I want to talk about what are some of the common key problems? So we talk about cash flow, security, 
And the big one is taking your eye off the ball of your current and existing business that provides the cash flow to go and do these wealth yeah. creation. So yeah, I guess if sure. we could just talk over all about those. There's kind of, from a lending perspective, because the, the guys are going to have to, when they're trying to put this together, they're going to have to put on a lender's hat as well as their hat, because there's quite different things the lenders are going to be looking for if they're going to give them finance. There's kind of three areas they're going to have to get themselves together with. Well, I call them the three C's, which is uh, collateral capacity and their character. And what that's referring to, collateral is just referring to what type of security have they got for the deal. So they're going to have to have some type of deposit or money that they're putting in or something they're using as security for the deal. Typically, depending on the lender and where the property is, that'll range from anywhere from uh, 20% through to sometimes 50%, but generally around the 20% mark, 25%. Now, it's hard to get really specific around this because the location where someone's going to do a development is quite critical. And by that, what I mean is as a, a builder, you or someone in the construction industry, you might come across a, a great opportunity to buy some land somewhere. And it's a good opportunity because there's going to be some growth there. Things are going to be happening in that area, but it hasn't quite happened yet. And you're creating opportunity there for yourself. But for a lot of the lenders, and bear in mind, a lot of these as their second tier lenders, they can be very specific in that they'll, some of them will only lend on property that is close to a main center. Others will only lend on, basically, if you were trying to do a property out, a rural property out in the middle of nowhere, it's going to be much harder to get finance, simply because they're looking at what's the likelihood that we can, um, if this turns to custard, are they going to be able to exit the deal somehow? And are you going to be able to sell the properties as fully developed units in that particular area? So lo location's critical. For around the, the collateral side, you can either have some cash that you might want to put in. I imagine most of them don't have a lot of cash kicking around. Um, so it's going to come down to maybe using some security of existing property that you've got and using the deal itself. Yep. Mm-hmm. We could talk a bit later about that in a, one of the other topics that you're wanting to talk about, but in, in setting it up with a um, using that security, don't be too concerned about even potentially using your own home as security. Uh, that comes up a lot when we're talking to particularly the smaller builders and the under five mil revenue side, and they're going, hey, I want to borrow some money, but I'm concerned about using assets that I've already got because I don't want everything to... Uh, if it does fall over, they don't want to lose it, which is understandable. So just on that, what would you advise with regards to structures and cross-securitization and having too much tied up with one bank, et cetera? Yeah. Yes and no. So that's actually quite a complex answer. But just to clarify a couple of things first, and then we can go into that. So the first is that when you borrow with the lenders, they will generally do a very blanket guarantee as a personal guarantee. So it's not just about the security that you are giving, and you might have a, a property sitting over here, which is technically unrelated to you, but because it's a personal guarantee that you're giving, um, at some point, if you're, if you're up to the wall and you've got another property somewhere, even though they can't officially go in and take it because it might be owned by a trust, because you're personally guaranteeing it, 
chances are you're going to end up selling that property anyway in order to try and solve the problem, unless you just want to go personally bankrupt, which isn't so great. So, so what would you advise with regards to what's the best ownership structure if they're buying individual sites? Is it to own it individually in a company and a trust? And obviously a lot of this has to do with their personal situation, but if we took a typical builder doing, I don't know, five mil, has a family, has three guy, three crews working for him, 10 guys. So it's possible to own it in your own name, but generally that isn't advised. A lot of the, the lenders will only lend if it is lending to a company and or to potentially a trust, but owning it in your own name is, it creates a whole lot of complications and Every builder is, has got a different background set up for how their life is structured financially. But I guess in a nutshell, the owning things personally creates more risk for you. There's tax implications as well. And because you're going to be doing developing, you want to try and separate things out so that you're not tainting everything else that you might own. And you don't want all of those things to be tainted as developments or tainting you as a, as a developer, of course, which you're becoming. So it's definitely worth getting both legal advice and accounting advice there, and they're going to cross over in different areas. So it's not something I can say to you, yes, do it this way, because there are a lot of circumstances where that may not necessarily be the case. But for the most part, I would be doing it in a company. I wouldn't be doing it in doing the borrowing and so forth necessarily in the name of your building company. I'd be creating it as a separate entity and do the development as a separate development. Um, but again, you need to get advice on it, but uh, it's not like mum and dad buying a house, subdividing, building something on the back. You know, you, you guys are doing it at a bigger scale than that and you're already in the industry, so definitely keep it separate. So are you saying a separate entity for each, potentially on the whole, a separate entity for each development? Uh, again, it, it's going to differ per business. Quite often the the guys, if they've got an established business that's doing well, they might set up another company, which is then owned by their company. So it's kind of under the same corporate umbrella, but keeping it a little bit separate. That can create some tax efficiencies and enable some flexibility that maybe wouldn't be there if something's completely standing on its own. And if you're doing a, the lender themselves is going to also want to know that they are dealing with someone who has a little bit of history behind them. So if people are considering doing a development, becoming their own client, yeah, should they focus on stripping out some of their personal expenses, even though it's better for tax deductibility, to show that the business is more profitable so they have more borrowing capacity for the bank, or does it all come out in the wash? Not really, not for this type of deal. This type of deal is all about the structure of the deal and what the deal is going to provide. And it's it's not about your affordability, which is the capacity part of the equation. And that if it, just to clarify, if you are buying a house yourself personally and you're going out and going, right, I'm going to buy number one ABC Street. In that situation, the lender is going to go, can you afford this mortgage? They're really going to look at your accounts in detail and they're going to go, yep, this person can afford it or they can't. But if they can afford it, they go, great, you can have the deal and they'll lend you the property, assuming everything else fits within the equation. But doing developments is a little bit different. In doing a development, in most cases, they can't afford the deal and they can't afford to fund the deal over the short term because 
it's a lot of cash and so their general cash flow isn't necessarily going to be strong enough. So that's where it comes down to structuring the deal in the way and presenting it in a way to the lender that shows here's what we're doing and why and here's our exit strategy. Now, in doing a development, obviously, there's there's kind of two versions of that. One is you're doing a development where you're going to keep some property yourself or maybe keep it all, in which case you need to be able to show your own strong cash flow in your own business and yourself personally. So that is important to make sure that you keep your overall expenditure in advance of the deal down low. And with that, by the way, one thing that it doesn't matter what you're doing with lending, I talked about character before as part of things and characters referring to what type of person are you? And the, the lender's going to have a look at you and they're going to go, are you a dodgy bugger or a, do you seem okay? And how do you manage your money? How are you dealing with the stuff? So they will start looking at your, they'll go back through your accounts for at least three months, maybe six months, and they'll be going, is this person managing their money well? And if they see that your visa's due on the third and you keep missing it and not paying it till the fourth, even if it's paid in full, they're going, that is kind of a, a cross for managing things well. If they see that you're late on payments, that you've missed a GST payment and paid it a little bit late, that you have PAYE for staff, fell behind, if the account went into overdraft and there's no overdraft facility, for example, that's bad cash management and that reflects badly on you and they're more likely to go, mm, it just it doesn't stack the cards in your favour, put it that way. Sure. What, what's the best, the best structure? Uh, one of the questions from one of our members in Sydney, he's asked, what is the best structure of drawdowns to negate interest rates? the best structure of drawdowns to negate interest rates. Well, basically, the think of it like this. If you're borrowing, I'll just pick an easy number, million dollars, uh, you're borrowing a million dollars from the lender. If you were to find a lender silly enough to give you a million dollars up front, now you're going to need to be paying that interest right now from today on a million dollars, even though you're not going to be using all that money. So with the progressive drawdowns, that's really the most cost-effective way of doing it And that as you need it, you draw down on it, you only borrow, uh, you're only paying interest on the portion that is drawn down. Sure. And is that, is that as a loan or a revolving credit facility or how? It's not a revolving credit facility in that it doesn't tend to go up and down and so you can't draw down and draw down 100 grand, get a bit of a deal in, pay off 50, and then draw back down on that later. Um, so it doesn't work in that way with these types of deals. But basically, it becomes a progressive drawdown where you've got access to, let's just say a million dollars, it might be $10 million. Normally, what would happen, not in all cases, but normally what would happen is, as the builder, you would have had to have got your ducks in a row before the lending is provided. And the lender will be going, who are your suppliers and providers? Who are you using to do the electrical work and the tiling and the earth moving? Who, who's doing and supplying all of these different things? Maybe it's even yourself. They're going to want to see cost estimates around that. And they're going to want to see your progressive plan of when that money is likely to be due. They're also going to make sure in that plan that they're going to see that there are some contingencies put in there for delays. But if you're clear on that plan, they'll go, right, when you get to this stage of the development, we will give this much more money. 
you've now got to the stage where yeah earthworks are all done the foundations are down the drainage is all down etc and they go great and so forth. absolutely and i've got a question from another member he's asked for the construction finance how can you negotiate payments from the bank so it's not the standard seven claims they want on stages yeah how can you negotiate it it is when you're doing there tends to be a bit more flexibility with developer finance for with you as the developer getting the finance as opposed to being the other side of the fence where you've got a um this may be coming from someone who's got a um they've been doing a build for a client who's got staged payments coming in which then puts you as the builder in a difficult position if the person isn't getting the money in time when people are getting drawdown facilities to build their own home or to build an investment property when you're doing it as a let's just call it a private person not the actual construction company itself they have different criteria to meet and also they're doing it through the retail market through the lenders and those the structure of those deals is quite different the sort of deals that we're likely to be doing here or that you guys are likely to be doing when you're talking to your brokers would be to with second tier lenders who are, who are a bit more flexible and if they get offered terms that someone isn't prepared to meet with maybe the needs that you have as a builder don't think that you're caught between a rock and a hard place and they're the only option out there you'd be surprised how many different lenders and finance companies there are it's just i guess you're not in the market for them so you don't or you're not in the market of working with them so you're not familiar with them but there are a ton of them and so if one isn't working just say to your broker look who else have we got what other, what other options have we got the broker might might have a bit of kickback because they won't want to do the work again but that's not your problem that's their problem um so it's worth giving a bit of kickback a bit of pushback about that though one thing i should mention too is in doing this you're probably going to need to do it through a broker and not try and go to a finance company yourself because the way you set up a deal is the difference between this being presenting it the right way to the lender may get it across but presenting it the wrong way even if it's a good deal is pretty much guaranteed not to get it, get it to happen and let alone the time involved in doing that oh yeah yeah it's look, not yeah, your... the small cost of a broker it's your time is well 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 better suited doing what you do best which is doing construction deals sorting things out building them and finding the next one and what are the typical fees for having a broker sort development finance sure so there's two fees you're likely to to get so one of the fees relates to the broker themselves so and sometimes there aren't any broker fees <laughs> so just to explain um the lender and this is the majority of second tier lenders they will charge a a fee for the deal and that fee will range anywhere from probably 2% up to uh, and i've seen some at 4% then on top of that the broker itself will probably charge 1%. Now sometimes with the lenders the lender builds a broker fee into it but the broker would tell you that in advance and they should be able to tell you hey we've got two different options here's the two different fee structures for it. But typically speaking you're going to pay between 2 2.5% through to 3% on the total deal plus the broker fee of probably 1%. Though the last one we did was 
2% total for the builder. And the interest rate was for here in New Zealand. And, you know, obviously that's not going to be the same for if you're in the States or Australia or the UK. But here in New Zealand, the interest rate was, it was 11.95%. Um, I think that's probably gone up now to 12, sometimes even 13, or I've seen them at 14%. If you're borrowing it for a shorter period, interest rates are often a bit higher or the fees are a bit higher, but it's a matter of just building it into the deal and getting the finance isn't cheap. Having said that, you know, a normal family loan is seven to 8%. So it's not a lot extra. Can you just walk us through a recent deal that you've done? Like if you talk us through that deal and just walk us through like structure, anything, any challenges, that would be applicable to people looking to do their own developments? Yep. So structure-wise, they've been uh, doing a, they've done, this was their fourth development. They started, the first development was they built, uh, bought uh, old house, tore it down, subdivided and built two little standalone units. They used the same company again and the profits within that company to do the de next deal. The next deal was, again, one bit of land that they bought, one house. They did a small subdivision. They put five properties on that, five units. The third one they did was 19 units. Mm -hmm. uh, so they kind of progressively got bigger. And uh, the last one, which we've just done for them, was that was five units as well. And so they, they've done them all with the same company each time, retaining the money in the company. Because they've started small and built up, that's given lenders, uh, and we've used different lenders. Well, we've used two different lenders over the period of time. But by, because they've started small and shown that they can do it and make it happen, then that gives lenders a lot more comfort that they actually know their stuff. And lenders are very mindful that, Builders and construction companies historically aren't necessarily, and not you guys, not, not your clients, because your clients, of course, get good advice in this area, but across the board elsewhere, they're not necessarily the best guys in the world for, when it comes to managing money, sorting payments on time, not by intention, but just being a little bit disorganized and having lots of stuff on the go so they're not particularly focused. So stuff takes longer than... And um, maybe it should have. So are they cash flowing this through their existing business or through pre-sales? Like what's the structure of that? And how have they managed to keep this rolling without running yeah. out of cash as they grow? So when they did the first and the second one, they had only a small amount of money themselves, didn't own any property themselves. What they did is they borrowed some money off friends and family. I think they borrowed about uh, 650000 for that first deal. And no, sorry, they borrowed uh, 550000 on the first deal and literally only about 20 grand cash themselves. Was that a loan or did they give security over the property or? So they got that from friends and family unsecured, I guess, just on a handshake and a promise promise of the firstborn child, that kind of thing. But they managed to get together uh, half a million bucks and then they used that for purchasing the house and land, tore the house down and the funding that we got was for the development itself. So that was for 
developing the land, doing the subdivision, doing all the groundworks, and then the progressive build over time. And that was a, a progressive, as they reached each milestone, the payments were paid by the bank. Now, and they were paid, and you've got to realize too, these don't necessarily get paid by the bank or by the lender. And it wasn't a, a mainstream bank, it was a lender. Um, they don't get paid to you as the builder. Too many lenders have been burnt because they've paid a builder and then the builders had, let's just call it a suddenly more urgent problem they needed to solve and the money hasn't gone where it needed to go. So what normally happens is it will get paid to the solicitor, will say to the bank, here's the next lot of stuff we're confirming. This is what we're confirming has been done and this is what's coming up that needs to be paid. And then the solicitor's trust account gets paid and the solicitor pays those 10 different accounts and bills off. And that gives the bank or the lender security that their butt is being covered. Okay, cool. And so did they have enough money covering the stage payments or they had to have pre-sales come in at certain stages to fund that? Or how did you structure that with the lender? So in their last deal, uh, sorry, in the 19-unit deal, they got some pre-sales partway through. They didn't need them straight away, but the funding of the project was organized based on the fact that we will be settling the deal at the end once X, once a certain percentage of the, uh, it was about 65% or 70% of the, uh, no, it was about 45% of the property, once 45% of the properties were sold out of that 19, that gave them more than enough cash to pay out the lending up to that point and to pay out the other parties. And then the balance that they were needed as they were finishing off some of the last houses was um, uh, just funded by the lender and then partially settled as um, sales came through. So it can, it can work both ways. Sometimes you can, if you can cash flow, most construction companies can't afford to cash flow much. So we'll roll payments forward and they'll accumulate and they get settled out at some point in the deal. But that's always negotiated in advance. So you don't end up coming out of these deals going, oh my gosh, how exactly is this going to work and how are we going to pay this? It's all going to be very carefully structured and mapped out so that you have, as a builder, you have total clarity on it. But over the years when we've had builders approach us and we've talked to them about wanting to do deals, the typical scenario is build a fight, gets a good opportunity. They go, hey, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to buy this one here. They go and they put an offer on it. They do uh, a bit of man maths and they, they work through those numbers. Not quite as bad as man maths, but they work through some numbers, basic little spreadsheet of stuff. They decide, yep, this is going to work. They know a whole lot about the guts of the deal. So they know essentially whether it's going to work or not, or in their head they do. And then they go forward and they try to get lending based on that. And it doesn't work. If you want to get money, you need to, it's really critical to create, I'm just going to call it a business plan around how are you planning on, how are you going to stage the, the growth of it? What really needs to be done? What are the costs? When are the costs going to be incurred? At what point are you going to start getting some capital in from sales? How long is realistically the project going to be? They want to see the numbers laid out. And so you need to get your accountant involved. And don't use the, the dodgy accountant from down the road that you, you got when you started in the industry that a lot of the, a lot of the smaller 
builders use, and not dodgy, but you know the the one man bands and the really small accounting businesses. If you're wanting to borrow five million bucks or ten million dollars to do a deal, you need to get a decent accounting firm to go over and do those numbers with you. If you use your own person to put it all together, then you take it to someone else and say, help me create this plan. Let's make it happen. That will put a lot of stock behind you with the lender that, hey, these people know what they're doing. They've planned it out. They've mapped it out perfectly. And they're, they're building this professionally as a developer. They're not doing it as a builder who's just ripping into it. Absolutely. And I think building in some safety margins in there in terms of your serviceability, your cash flow and the timeline to get pre-sales. Yeah. I was having a beer with a mate on um, last week. He's borrowed 40 mil, bought 40 mil worth of land over the last sort of two and a half, three years. His servicing costs, just his interest payments are sitting at 1.2 mil. And in that time, the value of the property has probably dropped 10 mil in the last uh, Ooh, 18 yeah. months. Yeah. And so now with the finance rates being refixed and you know jumping from 2.95 up to 6, 7, maybe 8, depending on yeah. where you're yeah. at, it's a very um, stressful time. And to the point where he spent just over a mil renovating his home in case he has to sell it to get back some equity to put his right. LVR back in uh, the right shape. Yeah. Any tips, insights there? Thoughts? Well, uh, this is where the, the plan and looking at contingencies within your plan is really important. You know, there's been a lot of the builders that you guys do coaching with, I know use some, some really good software for accurately accounting for their costing and doing some projections and so forth. And it's essential that you do that and you have some support and guidance around it and putting together these things because if it goes wrong, and sometimes it does, it's an epic fail. You know, here in New Zealand, as you're probably aware, we had a huge portion of probably, I think it was 30% or 25% of the businesses that were going under in the first quarter were in the building industry. And it was, it was bloody awful for those poor buggers. And a lot of them were going down as a result of the people that owed them money not being able to pay or doing a development maybe or a building a house for someone and then that person couldn't finish the finance and get it done because interest rates had gone up. They couldn't sort the deal on their uh, with the, the mainstream bank for themselves. And I know quite a few people where that's happened, where they literally weren't able to follow through. They lost their deposit, but of course the builder loses as well in most cases, which is pretty awful. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking with one of my mates in the car club. He's in Wellington. He's built about 5,000 houses, built 1,000 houses on the Gold Coast, one of, one of Wellington's, or arguably one of New Zealand's biggest, bigger developers. And he had, a, he had a good saying. He said, Marty, if it's not with the bank, if there's not blood in the water, then I don't want to know about it. So I think that's one of the keys is you make a lot of money when you initially do the deal so looking for if you're renovating looking for something that's either a distressed owner some that's something that's uh yep. you know you can buy below value whether it's land that the person's in a little bit of a challenge or whether it's property that you can add value to it and whether you're adding value to, to an existing property or land obviously by developing it do it up refinance make sure that your lvr stays in the right ratio and go again is that the basic is there anything any 
key things you'd add around that? Definitely. Some of the traps that we've seen is a builder will go through and they'll do the numbers on the project. It all looks like it's going to be pretty good. They work out what their timeframes are going to be, but they forget about everything else that they've got going on. And it's those other distractions as they start infiltrating into getting the job done. It's those other distractions that cause additional delays and it's delays that cost you your house. So in this industry, as all of you guys know, um, get it done and get it done fast is got to be a mantra that you have all the time. And you can't drag your feet when it comes to doing construction and construction loans. You've just got to kick ass and get it done and get it out to market as fast as you can. Awesome. I love it. Scott, just uh, we're coming into end of time for the show. What would be your top three tips that you would say for someone currently doing either house and land packages, their own developments, that, or they're considering doing this and they want to eventually become their own client and build for themselves? Right. My top tips would be the profits that you're making on the, if you're planning on doing some developments yourself going forward, or you've just done some, you've made some good money out of it and you wanted to do some more, don't go spending up. Retain that cash as much of it as you can. Show to the lender that you're being prudent with your money and just get together as much as you can for the deposit on the next deal. The more money that you're going to have going into the deal yourself, it saves you a lot of cash in spades at the moment getting deals done. It's not like it was six months or 12 months ago. It's harder to get them across the line now. Interest rates are higher. The lenders are, let's just say, harder on the deals and getting deals that aren't going to catch them out because they, they don't want to put anyone in mortgage sale. It's the last thing they want. So, yeah, don't go buying out buying all the flash cars and the latest uh, Ranger. Yeah, consolidate. Consolidate with long-term view in mind. Profit is king in every industry. Get things done quickly, I would say. And most importantly around it is manage your, for the six months prior to making it happen, make sure your accounts are managed really, really well. No stuff ups, no missed payments, nothing, nothing untoward because the bank will go through it and the lender will go through it like a fine tooth comb because they just want to make sure you are looking after cash and cash flow. And as part of that, they, um, Completely lost the train of thought that I was going to say there. All right. Last big thing, I guess, is how can people get hold of you? How can they reach you if they're wanting to have a chat about finance, mortgage broking, uh, for wood, raising money, doing their own house and land packages or own development? If they want to get hold of me in the next two weeks or so, I'm going to be away in Malaysia and Thailand, chilling out, relaxing, motorcycling and having a few beers. So I'm not going to be available, but you could contact my office. Probably the best person to ask for would be Tara, uh, the office manager there. And the number there in Auckland is 0958011111. So it's 5801111. Or just email me, which is scott, S-C-O-T-T, at assetwise, one word, A-S-S-E-T-W-I-S-E dot N-Z. Scott at assetwise.nz. I'm sure there'll be a link or something attached to this. But yeah, have a chat. Even if you're out of town or wherever, more than happy to have a chat and set you in the right direction. And yeah, these things take a little bit of time too. So don't think you're just going to launch straight into it and do it. You probably need to start thinking and preparing now for something that you're going to look at doing in four to six months time. 
Absolutely. All right, my man. Absolute pleasure. Look forward to riding some motorbikes in Thailand. No worries. I will see you at the Coro Club on um, Saturday morning. All right. Cheers, team. Yeah. Cheers, bro. See you guys. Bye. Bye.